Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Tot Tottenham. There's plenty to discuss today as we look back at the late 1-0 win over Watford, then also look ahead to Wednesday's Carabao Cup semi-final clash against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Joining me as ever is Tottenham Hotspur correspondent Alistair Gold. Ali, how are you doing first of all? Yeah, good. Good. Um, obviously, a new year and Tottenham starting it in a good way. Well, just about in a good way. And uh, a huge month to come. Absolutely. <laughs> so many things to happen this month on and off the pitch, uh, which is going to give us loads to talk about and lots for people to listen about. Yeah, it really is a big, big month for Tottenham. I mean, especially with the transfer window being open now, but three games against Chelsea on the agenda, a home game against Arsenal as well, and then there's the FA Cup third-round clash against Markham on Sunday as well. The so The biggie, yeah. So it's going to be an important month for Tottenham, and if they can come through that unscathed, then could be in for a good final few months of the season. I think what is going to be important, especially in the terms of the top four race, is that 1-0 win over Watford uh, on New Year's Day. Those extra two points could prove crucial come the final day. And I mean, you were there at Vicarage Road on New Year's Day. Do you, do you just uh, talk about Tottenham's performance? And I mean, did they deserve to get all three points in the end? Yeah, yeah, they did. I mean, they finally beat a team with 11 men, which was good as well. Um, now that they, I mean, I think they still had 21 shots on goal, exactly the same against Southampton. I think they had less on target. I think it was nine to the 11 against uh, Southampton. But I'd say they tested Daniel Backman far more than Fraser Forster was tested, probably, if, if you're going to be honest. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. They, yeah, I'd, I'd say they did enough. They just, uh, if anything, I guess, showed that bit of character I suppose you need to show, you know, and they kept going, they kept going. I suppose if anyone had asked who would score Spurs' first match-winning goal or even goal of 2022, it probably wouldn't have picked down to Sanchez, but it was a nice moment for him. And the way everyone celebrated with him as well, he was, you know, he's, he's one of those on the long list of fan scapegoats that we get in Tottenham. Um, and, but he, he's popular on the players. And the way you could see the players reacted to him, it was, I mean, Sonny, God, I don't know if you've seen any of the, the clips of the celebrations afterwards. Sonny goes mad when the ball goes in the net. And he's like whacking Sanchez on the head. He's like, really, it's quite funny. Um, and yeah, no, it was a good moment for Sanchez. It was a good moment for Tottenham. And Sometimes you just got to win matches in kind of, I was going to say an ugly way, but it was actually, it was a, it was a good free kick and header. It wasn't like it was a scruffy, horrible goal. Um, and Spurs have got this thing at the moment where they they're quite, they seem to be quite good at refocusing when a match has been paused. 
Obviously, we had another, if people aren't aware, we had another one of those horrible incidents where something clearly was happening in the crowd, some kind of medical emergency, and the game had to be paused for a good, probably about eight minutes or so. Um, and this happened with Spurs before. I'm trying to remember the game. What was the last game that happened? Newcastle. Newcastle away, Newcastle. was it? In was October. It was. Yes, it was. And exactly the same as that day, for some reason, when the match restarted, Spurs were just back on it and, and probably even more focused maybe than before the incident. Um, and yeah, and they came away with three points. And right now, as you say, that's that's all that really matters. Um, and, you know, that unbeaten run, so that start under Conte in the Premier League continues and is, is pushing them in the right direction. I know West Ham won at Vicarage Road in the previous game. I think it was like 4-1 or something yeah. like that. As nice as it would be to win big away at Watford, I think it also is quite good for the team that like got a slender 1-0 win because it shows that they're digging in and just doing enough to get that win. And I think on another day, they might have had a few more goals if it wasn't for the keeper because he did make a few uh, good saves from Son and Kane as well. So... Yeah. As you alluded to, it wasn't like the Southampton game where they were struggling in terms of that creativity and failing to test Fraser Foster at all. Backman was tested. I think they were just perhaps yeah. a bit unlucky in a few instances. Uh, but I think that I think definitely was important as well. Yeah, very much so. Uh, and I think definitely that can be a big win come the end of the season because every point you get now is going to be crucial, as we saw at the weekend. Earlier in the day, Arsenal lost against Man City when it looked like they were going to get something out of the game. And then Manchester United lost uh, on Monday night against Wolves. I know uh, they've been mentioned in terms of the top four race, but I don't think they've improved at all since Ralph Ranić uh, has taken over. So big, big three points for uh, Spurs in the Premier League, but there's uh, a couple of big ones on the agenda now in terms of Chelsea in the Premier League after those two Carabao Cup games and then the North London derby as well. So very big month uh, for Tottenham. Let's talk about the goal-scoring hero, Davinson Sanchez. Mm -hmm. He's been playing well of late, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I think he's one of those players who... To be fair to him, he started the season really well. I was about to say, you know, Conte's done a really good job with him. But to be fair, you know, you're going to dish out credit. He was playing well under Nuno as well uh, to begin the season. And it was almost as if he went on off on that ill-fated international break, the one where he had to kind of stick around in Croatia afterwards. And it was almost like that really interrupted his rhythm. And he just maybe... Obviously, he had Romero there as well, and he's clear of the Romero competition at the moment. Um, obviously, I think we know Romero will be playing in that right side of the back three role. But I think he's done very well, Sanchez. Um, and and I wonder whether, you know, I, I'd expect Joe Roden to probably get some kind of a loan or some kind of move this month. I just wonder whether if they can't then bring another body into that role, which I think they'll probably try. I think I know they certainly want to bring in another left-sided um, centre-back. I wonder whether Davinson Sanchez, Conte kind of breaks this strict, I only see one person for each role thing, and whether he looks at Sanchez for, I don't know, maybe he stays on the right and, say, Romero can play that central role as well. Because we know Romero's a ball carrier. We know he can ping a pass as well. So I was actually quite surprised when we now know what the back three, kind of the idea of what he has for each of those roles. I was quite surprised almost that Romero is the right-sided one because I feel he can play the dire role. Um, but then I guess you could argue that 
the original idea for that role was to be a bit like Davies and be able to support the front players. And, and as a certain Robert Guest keeps telling us, Christian Romero does like a little bit of a wander up the pitch. So perhaps that's what it is. But I do think with Romero, you've got that versatility to, to work on both sides. And that, that means Sanchez maybe gets a, a run in the team as well when needed. So, uh, you know, I like, I like, I've always liked Davinson Sanchez. I think he has daft moments. You know, he did, he, he does, I'd say it's not every game now, but he certainly was going through a phase where he'd make maybe one just decision-making error in every match. And it was very much whether it was a crucial one or not. But I'd say the rest of him, it kind of has all the, you know, if you were building like a model defender, you know, like you get some kind of kit that comes out of a shop Essentially, Davinson Sanchez has pretty much almost everything in the kit. Maybe maybe there's one, that little decision-making thing is just missing in the box sometimes. And I mean the box of the kit, not the penalty box. Well, that can be the penalty box. Um, but I think he's actually, uh, yeah, he's got everything about him to, to do what you want from a central defender. It just just takes someone to make the best out of him. And, and maybe, you know, we saw Conte do it with, let's say, Gary Cahill became a, a kind of a, a much-praised defender. He'd been a good defender before, but maybe took him to another level. Maybe that's what happens with Davinson Sanchez. Yeah, I think with Conte and his coaching team, Italians know how to defend. That's their bread and butter at the end of the day. Uh, Serie A's known for being such a defensive league and having you know really strong defenses. So hopefully that can you know help Sanchez, Romero, Dyer, all of them improve the game. I think. With Sanchez, started the season very well. I think he came back in confident mood from the Copper America. Then Eric Dyer was nominated for the Player of the Month, wasn't he, in August, yeah, Premier League. Yeah. And I think a lot of the time was saying, well, Sanchez should be the one nominated here because yeah. I think many thought he had the better start of the season. And I thought at the time it was perhaps harsh to see him drops out of the team and bringing Romero in, given his form. But... You know, when, when he's played, he, he has played well and he's certainly making a case now to Conte, especially when Romero hopefully comes back at the end of the month. There's some real competition there in the centre-back roles, whereas previously you think in, you know, this player's got this position sewn up and that. So Conte's definitely got something to think about. Don't forget Let's... a certain Welshman, a certain Ben Davies, <clears throat> excuse me, I haven't got the stats to hand, but I was looking at them after the match. Ben Davies' stats from the game was superb. <laughs> it was like it was like whoa. He like not only was terrific defensively, but attacking wise. I mean, I'm you know I know we're going to talk about the wing backs anyway, but attacking wise, he produced probably a lot more than many of the other players who were meant to produce attacking moments on the pitch. Ben Davies under Conte is is a whole new ball game. It really is. It's terrific, and uh, yeah, like you say, lots of competition at the back. Yeah, I think a lot of players, Ben Davis especially, Eric Dyer, a lot of players are kicking on on the container. You're starting to see the best of them. As you mentioned there, the wing-backs, shall we discuss them? And yeah. no, uh, I think he wasn't impressed with uh, the crossing, was he, during the game? No. no, I asked him about it afterwards because we were just, you know, we were in the press box of Vicarage Road, uh, Vicarage? Vicarage Road and um, every single time, Emerson especially, to be fair, Regulon as well. Emerson especially, though, would, would get up the pitch and he'd get himself into some really good positions. And it was just it was just his decision-making. It was like he put in uh, deep crosses, low crosses, 
stand up the ball into the into the box. He'd hit a square pass across the box. Every time, it just was the wrong ball. You know, it's like I've seen some people on Twitter afterwards say, "Oh yeah, but the forward should be making runs." It's like, well, no, they were making runs. But obviously, don't forget that. Watford were packing the box, so it had to be the right cross. Um, and, you know, Regulon's uh, stats were something like five crosses, zero finding a teammate. Um, I think Emerson was either 14 or 16. He put in a lot of crosses, and it was barely about maybe four reached people, uh, four or five. And even then, it was like sometimes the ball was just behind them and they had to kind of adjust their body to do it. And probably the best cross, funny enough, Emerson put in was uh, for Kane after the goal in added time. We put in a, quite a nice cross that Kane got up high and headed towards goal. But yeah, I asked Conte afterwards and he was very much like, yeah, very much something we need to improve on. You know, I think he'd, um, I presume it was his brother, um, was, it, was it Enrico? Enrico? I've forgotten his brother's name. Gianluca, sorry, Gianluca Conte, isn't it? Um, he's like his analyst chap and, and he, he kind of came into the press conference armed already with the like he had the first half stats. It was something like he said twenty nine crosses went into the box in the first half alone, which is incredible when you think about it. And and it does it shows the lack of quality and what they were doing. Um, and it was funny because on that day there'd been all the stuff about Kieran Trippier and Newcastle making a bid, and you can't help but look. At it. it kind of cast my mind back to I can't remember what it was maybe two thousand sixteen possibly seventeen when Kieran Trippier was on the right for Spurs, they went to Watford on New Year's Day, and I think they won something like 4-1, 4-0, something. Um, Trippier got two assists on the day, and you just you can't help but kind of daydream what Kieran Trippier in that right wing-back role would be for Tottenham. Yeah, I know he's, he's like 31 now, and he's not the kind of, I'm not saying Tottenham will go for him because it's not their kind of profile now of the signing they make. But you just think with someone that... It, it's just a funny one. I think we all thought Regalon was going to revel in the left wing-back role. But he hasn't yet. And by his own admission, he hasn't played that role before. He's still learning it. Emerson, I think we're seeing a player who was very much bought for Nuno. Um, you know, a high energy, great kind of, you know, just someone that gets up and down the flank constantly. But as a wing back, as someone that can beat a man and put in a really good cross, we obviously haven't seen that yet. It's 22, so you could probably coach it into him. Um, clearly, Matt Doherty, um, sorry, Doherty. I watched a video the other day of him actually pronouncing his own name. Um, Doherty. Uh, yeah, sorry, little tangent. Um, and um, he clearly isn't kind of fancied uh, by Conte and looks like he's going to head off in the coming weeks. Um, so they're going to, you know, they are looking for another right wing back. And I think after that game, you can see why. The quality. Conte's system, you know, everyone talks, and myself included, we talk about bringing in a new playmaker, we talk about all of this, but Conte's system really, a big old part of it is the wing-backs. They create a lot of the thrust in the team, a lot of the creativity, um, and if it's not coming from those, then that's why you end up with matches like that at Vicarage Road where you're struggling to find a way through. So, yeah, I can totally understand why that's an area they're looking for a bit of an upgrade on. I think with Emerson as well, when he was at Real Betis last season, I think he was playing more of a of a right back rather than a wing yeah. back. So, like Reggion as well, I think you probably got to give him both a bit of time to adapt to that new role because they are different. I know we said that last season with 
Doherty, whereas previously at Wolves, he was playing as a right wing back. Last season, he was playing as a right back in Jose Mourinho's team and he just wasn't working for him. So I think you've got to give him a bit of time, both young players as well. So I think it will come, but it needs to happen sooner rather than later. I think, and especially when you know you're firing a load of crosses and you want them to be, you know, reaching the target, don't you? Because you've got players such as Kane and Son in there who can find the back of the net. And Lucas, leaking yes. legs, Lucas. Honestly, that man gets higher than any other player <laughs> I've seen of his of his side. You know, he's not the biggest guy. His leap is incredible. Yeah, we saw that against. Uh, was it West Ham? In the cup, mm. was it that header? Yeah, um, yeah. I was in Crystal Palace. Was it? <laughs> I just can't remember. This is a trouble having so many matches, isn't it? Uh, let, let's be honest. We've seen Crystal it a lot. Palace. I think. I think it was the Palace. one I always remember is the Man City at uh, the Etihad goal when he kind of leapt above it, almost the entire. Well, he did the entire defence. Um, yeah, he's very good at his headers, as Lucas. Yeah, uh, looking at Conte's substitutions at uh, mm. Wolves, it seems he's got the plays he can rely on now. He knows who he's going to bring off the bench. So Harry Winks again, uh, Brian Hill came on as well, and then Lacelso came on for the first time since his injury. No place again for Tangi and Dumbelli, Deli Ali as well. Mm. It doesn't bode well for Tangi, does it at the moment? No. Well, obviously, we had that pre-match press conference before the Watford game where, oh, it was so awkward. It was very much like, uh, so what are your plans for uh, Tongi Ondembele? Uh, he, he's uh, a midfielder. Yes, a midfielder, I think. I was like, okie dokie. That's, that's, a, that's a big revelation. And then the next one, it was kind of about, it was asked about whether he had a future at the club, but it was all very much, it's not fair to speak about this. And then Conte did that old trick that managers often do. I'm not going to answer the question directly, but my goodness, if you give me another question, I'm going to answer it within that answer. And yeah, so straight away after that was about Harry Winks. He's like, oh, Harry Winks, he's a man I can count on. He's staying at this football club and all this. It's like, okay, so you're just kind of talking about Tongi being the opposite right now, um, which is a shame because the last two games, I think they've both been games where you probably could have brought Tongi on and I think he would have made a difference. But... You know, if he's if he's not doing it for the manager and the, the manager isn't seeing it, then you know what are you going to do? It, it, it's, it's we've probably spoken at Tongi at length in these podcasts, and we're not going to bore people with another kind of monologue about the goods and bad things about uh, Tongi. But yeah, I, I just uh, I think unfortunately we're coming to the end of Tongi time, which is is sad. Whether they'll be able to move him on this window or not, I don't know, because this has been the problem with Tongi. Tongi's wanted to leave in previous windows, but finding someone to, especially on a permanent deal, come anywhere near to the club record fee that they got for him. And then, I think we've said this before, almost a loan move is a bit like, meh. Like, it's almost what's the point, because all you're doing is probably benefiting another club. Yes, you're getting them off the wage bill, but Ultimately, you know, it's it's not really it's not giving you a, a transfer kitty boost to bring anyone else in, other than just clearing up some wages. Um, yeah, I thought Lascelles actually looked quite bright when he came on. Um, I thought it, you know he only had a what was it, about fifteen minutes or so. It wasn't long, maybe maybe less than that. But I thought he looked quite progressive with the ball. He tried to make things happen. 
he's he is more of a Conte player. You know, when we've seen Lo Celso at his best, not the Lo Celso that's been in and out with injuries, but when we've seen him have a bit of a run, he's a hard-working, industrious. Uh, he's got a little bit of a nasty streak to as well in terms of his tackling and stuff like that. And it's all the kind of things that Conte will like. Ultimately, at the end of the day, Conte wants 11 workers first. And then after that, he wants the talent and the quality as well. But you've got to have that... Put yourself, put your body on the line for the rest of your teammates' mentality, and, and unfortunately, Tongi doesn't. Delhi's a bit of a different one, I think. Delhi is just purely, it just doesn't really fit his system. It's as simple as that. I, I, Delhi, Delhi works hard. I watched um, the post match at Vicarage Road, the players who hadn't come on being put through their paces, and they had like a separate routine for Delhi. They were pushing him way harder than anyone else. It was really interesting. The others were doing their standards like, back and forth, back and forth. Delhi was doing like a whole like slaloming kind of runs thing. They were really, really working him hard, almost as if he – and we know he got himself into brilliant shape in the summer, and maybe maybe he just needs a bit more. Maybe they want to maintain him to this high level. I don't know. But he's another one where I just don't see where he fits. I don't know. Obviously, we saw him against Liverpool. It was probably the best role he's had for a little while. But how often they'll play that formation, I don't know. So, yeah, this, this month's going to be an interesting one because, you know, as I've said and, and people haven't wanted to hear, you know, I think I get the impression that Conte has been told that there's less money this window. I'm not saying there's no money, but there's less money this window than in the summer. So anyone that can get out the door for a bit of money will only help that. But... Can you get that for the likes of Delhi and Tongi and Doherty? Can you get that money in for those players? I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. I think you've got to be careful as well. This month will be for Tottenham and for a number of Premier League clubs with COVID cases at the moment. Mm. And I, I did ask this uh, to Antonio yesterday during this press conference because you don't want to surely be letting players go, not replacing them, and then leaving yourself too short. Because as as we've seen, there have been COVID outbreaks at clubs and it's drastically limited the amount of players available. So that's going to be really interesting to see actually how clubs approach this window in terms of outgoings. So that's one we'll have to keep an eye on. Obviously, we're up four days into January now, so still plenty of time. And it's usually towards the end of the window when you see all the movements starting to happen. So as we've mentioned, COVID there, uh, We'll move on to Wednesday's Carabao Cup semi-final clash against Chelsea. In his press conference yesterday, Antonio Conte said there is a couple of possible COVID situations uh, in regards to the players ahead of Wednesday's game. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how Spurs line up and potentially... Who are the couple of players missing? It's just a situation you just don't want to happen again, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we're not talking about the big outbreak they had before at, at this moment. Um, it looks like it's just one or two um, in terms of the, the first team playing squad. So, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see who's available. It's going to be interesting to see who... Chelsea have available. Chelsea got their own issues right now. I think one thing you can guarantee is that Romelu Lukaku will be back in that team and desperate to score for Chelsea, which uh, Tottenham do like to uh, to have a hungry returning player coming up against them. Um, 
Yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. There's a lot of talk that Chelsea are going to make a lot of changes. Whether that comes to pass, we don't know. I don't think Spurs will be the same. I think Conte will probably go for as probably as strong as he can. Um, obviously, with with the with the biggie on the horizon against Morecambe. Um, yeah, you know, this is you know I say that it sounds very. I'm not I'm not meaning to be patronising. It's just I'm sure Morecambe are very aware that. You know, they're struggling a bit in League One right now. For Tottenham, of all the clashes they have, it clearly isn't the is the biggest test they'll have. But, you know, they absolutely messed it up against Moura. So there's, it's not, it's not, there's no, absolutely no guarantee that Tottenham will win that game. But it's just on paper, it's the one out of the, uh, the four that is probably uh, the one that he can rest a few players for. Which means, yeah, you can go stronger on Wednesday night. Um I can't see too much rotation. I wonder whether Harry Winks might come in, um, you know, just have a little bit of a... I think he's earned it. I think, again, he came on and did well against Watford. He looked looked bright, tried to make things happen, put in some crunching tackles. Uh, he and Ben Davies, there was like one move where both of them slid in. Davies slightly on top of the ball, but just about got away with it. It wasn't... Probably was just on the right side of not being an iffy challenge. Um, yeah, I, I don't think he mixes it up too much. I can't really see where he can. Um, yeah, it's, it's Chelsea. It's Chelsea away. It's like it's, it's a game that Tottenham don't really have a lot of joy from. I think it would be the case of just come away with, from there with a, a decent result, take it back to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which will be, you'd think, as full as it can get, you know, in these covid times. Um, and and it will be a massive second leg, I think. Um, yeah, it's going to be a fascinating one. Um, I'm really intrigued to see what I think a lot of it hinges on what Chelsea team go out there. And Chelsea aren't in great, um, like a great rhythm right now. They're not absolutely flying like they were at the start of the season. They're they're not as um, they were so strong at the back, especially weren't they in the start of the season? They've become more fragile. Um, yeah, it's all about whether Tottenham can exploit that or not. Yeah, I'm not expecting Conte to make a load of changes. I think it might be similar to the West Ham game in the previous round where it's just a couple of changes here and there. And I think you're in the semi-finals of the competition now. There's a place at Wembley on the horizon. I think you've got to go strong with your team and I'm pretty sure he will do that. As you said, Harry Winks might be one who can come in. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like Stephen Bergwijn's going to be back in time Uh I think Ryan Sessegnon is the one who could be back earlier than Bergwijn, but Conte did say yesterday in his press conference that Sessegnon, you know, potentially might be back for the Markham game on Sunday. So, you know, players like Giovanni LaCelso will be pushing for a start. So Conte certainly got options, but I think he will be going with a fairly strong team. And I know Chelsea will probably make a few changes here and there, they have tended to do in the Carabao Cup so far this season. You've got players like, you know, Ross Barkley coming in and others, uh, whether he'll make a lot of changes, uh, we'll have to wait and see. But I think it's probably a good time to be playing Chelsea uh, going on the current form. I think it's four draws from the last five Premier League games. To be honest, I expected Liverpool to beat them the other day, but Chelsea came back in that first half with two late goals in the uh, first half. So, given no Reese James at the moment for injury, uh, Ben Chilwell as well, 
Chelsea have struggled a bit in, in December. And I think when they beat Leeds earlier in the month, that was through uh, a late penalty from Jorginho. So they've not been, you know, top farmers have been in uh, the first few months of the season. So I think, you know, it's a good time to be playing them. Uh, Conte knows all about them. He's making his return to Stamford Bridge for the first time since he departed back in 2018. Spurs maybe don't have the best record at Stamford Bridge at all, but this is a good one. I think, as you mentioned, you've just got to come away with a positive result and, you know... You've got, crucially, you've got home advantage in the second leg and you've got to make that count. So I've got to say, I think I'm fairly confident going into tomorrow's game against Chelsea, but I've said that against Bureau. I've said that a number of times this season. Stamford Bridge. Tottenham at Stamford Bridge, it's it's a very rare occurrence that they get something really positive there. Yeah. But I think, as I said, I think it's a good time to be playing them at the moment. Spurs are in decent form under Conte, unbeaten, aren't they, in their domestic games. So, yeah, we'll have to uh, see what happens. But I think they could potentially get a a decent result there tomorrow. Was the penalty shootout win last year at Sanford Bridge? The penalty shootout one? Uh, When was that? Was that when Sari was manager? Oh I didn't know. Was that last year or the season before? When did they get past I... Chelsea? <laughs> <laughs> we said yes. a couple of old men, don't we? Pen- penalty year? shootout last oh, year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was when Jose was manager, wasn't it? That was yeah. one of the early rounds in the cup. Yeah, I thought you were mentioning the penalties at Stamford Bridge. I think that was when Sari was manager, but no, oh, right. it was last season. Seems was like ages Stamford? ago. No, he was at home last uh, season. Shame. shame. Sounds like a couple of a couple of old boys. <laughs> oh, do you remember when? I'm still getting it wrong. <laughs> so I am. There you go. No, it'll be a good game. It will. I think the crowd, uh, the Chelsea crowd, will be up for it. It's normally pretty noisy for Spurs matches in that stadium. And uh, yeah, like I say, all on who got, comes in and and what kind of rhythm they've got. And uh, like I say, the Lukaku factor may play a part as well. Do you think he'll start Lukaku? I think he probably does, doesn't he? I think that's the way to bring him back in. And then, you know, in Tuchel's mind, uh, Tuchel's mind, sorry, he can say that it's, you know, it's not the Premier League, so I can start him now. It's just almost like a lesson kind of thing. Now prove yourself. But it is still, it's a big game. It's a semi-final, first leg of a cup. So I think he starts. Um, and I think he'll be on an absolute mission to show that he shouldn't have been dropped at the uh, at the weekend. Yeah, he was playing well before that as well. Was it the Aston Villa and Brighton games? I think he got man of the match in both. So that was a big call from Tuchel to drop him. And Tuchel speaking to the media later today. I think it's usually about half one this afternoon. So we'll get a bit more information then where Lukaku is going to be in terms of his plans. I know they went with quite a youthful side against Brentford last time out. I don't think Lukaku started that one. But I imagine if he's going to be back in his plans, then, yeah, he, he will start and he will be a man on the mission trying to score and against his former Inter Milan manager as well in Antonio Conte. Yeah. Did you see parallels between the two? Obviously, much was made of that interview, which which was done a few weeks before. And some 
people made parallels, obviously, with the Harry Kane on the golf course interview with Gary Neville. Do you see parallels in the two? Uh, sort of. I know with the Lukaku one, a lot were making... I know he said that he was frustrated with his situation at Chelsea on the Tuchel. Mm. You can ex- you can understand it. I think you're going to be as a player, right? If you're on the substitute's bench, you're not going to be happy. Of course, you're going to be frustrated. No. Whether some of it was lost in translation, maybe, probably the stuff he said about wanting to go back to Winter Milan at some point probably wasn't the best thing to say, <laughs> given you, you, you've just joined, uh, like, four <laughs> months earlier. Yeah. But yeah, may, maybe I know a lot of alluded to uh, similarities between the two. Uh, it's just a situation you don't want as a manager, yeah. as a club, and I know Chelsea fans weren't happy at all about those comments. And I think he needs to score quite a few goals to try and make it up. If he can make it up to them, going on those comments, I think it's just it was just the overt nature of it, wasn't it? I think that was what maybe. Like got did him really. It was that you know, and Harry Kane's one. If you're going to look in his defence, he was saying you know something we'll talk about. It was it was it was very much. And again, obviously, this is a guy that's been at the club for you know his entire playing career. Whereas yeah, Lukaku's kind of rocked up or rocked up back again a few months back. And yeah, the stuff he was saying is like should should Chelsea sign Latoro Martinez? No, no, stay there. I'll be back. And they're like, why is he gone? I know there's there's probably a jokey edge to the interview and all this sort of stuff, but yeah, I thought it was a little bit too much. Uh, we can all love previous clubs, and I get the fact that, yes, had the financial situation at Inter not been as dire as it had been, he, he probably would have stayed there. I, I get all of that stuff. But yeah, the quotes weren't great. And, and obviously, yes, it was three weeks ago, but once you do one of those interviews, of course, you have to be very mindful of the fact that they can release it whenever they want. And if they're going to save it up for just before a big match, that's what they're going to do. Um, you know, Tottenham had the same with the Harry Kane. I think the Harry Kane interview was was filmed a, a few weeks before, wasn't it? And then it came out just as they were kind of doing the crucial... Was it the Villa game? Was it the Villa game? Or Southampton? It was one of the... It was like just as they were trying to... Still in the Champions League hunt, essentially. Just about... And it absolutely played its part in, in derailing it. There was lots of other factors why Tottenham didn't get Champions League. You know, it's not all on Harry Kane's interview, but timing-wise, yeah, it absolutely was a stinker. And so is this with the Lukaku one. Um, I, I think there are some similarities to, ha- to be had, but I just think the way they approached it was slightly different. I think with Lukaku as well, is previous for this. Because when he was at Everton, any time he'd go on international duty with Belgium, he'd do an interview saying he wants to move. It was literally every time there was an international break. And with Lukaku, I don't think he's someone who sticks around at clubs very long. Inter Milan, two years. Manchester United, two years as well. Everton, he's probably there about four seasons. Uh, but you always got the feeling that he'd move on. And that's what I was saying when he was joining Chelsea in the summer give it a couple of years, he'll want to go somewhere. And he's already made it clear within four months that he'd be happy to go back to Inter Milan at some point. I know there's been some reports in Italy about a move to Tottenham and reuniting <laughs> with Conte. I mean, yes, I that's just that. not going to happen. Well, I mean, there's so, the... many, there's so many reasons why I can't see how that <laughs> would happen. First off, Chelsea and Spurs don't deal with each other. They just don't. Um, secondly, 
How much would it cost to get Lukaku away from Chelsea? It's just like, come on. I see some of these things sometimes, and of course, Conte and he love each other. You know, they've got a real, new, terrific relationship. And of course, Spurs would love to have Romelu Lukaku up front. They'd also like to have Kylian Mbappe up front. <laughs> you know, Kylian Mbappe's like, no, you're all right. Thank you very much. But no, um, I won't be going to Tottenham. Randomly telling uh, Tom Holland that as Spider Man. You do, you know, Spider Man is, yeah. Just checking. Yeah. 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 I do. I, yeah, that's good. I know I have to check sometimes with movies. Um, but yeah, yeah, no. Lukaku, it's. Yeah. I saw that and I was just like, oh, come on, guys. Seriously. Yeah. I think the. They just don't deal, do they, between Chelsea and Spurs? I think the last deal, I could be wrong, was it Neil Sullivan going top right, to Chelsea? And you're looking at early 2000s there. They just Gallas, don't deal. Was Gallas a free transfer? Gallas went to Arsenal after Chelsea and oh, then was Arsenal between, wasn't it? Spurs. Was. Yeah, they just don't deal. I mean, a couple of seasons ago, there was talk of Michy Bashwai going to Spurs on loan in yeah, January. It was like... Rudiger. There's been Rudiger interest as well in the past, but... But with the Bashwai deal, it was like, any club can have him for this price, but if Tottenham want him, it's like an extra five million or so for yeah. a loan deal or something. So well, Even when they're going for the same players, there's all this kind of uh, difficulties. It's like, remember Lorente was like all set to go to Chelsea, wasn't he? And then Spurs came in and offered him a deal that they weren't going to offer a player that age. And yeah, there's, it's just, you know, it's a bit like Spurs and West Ham. Spurs and West Ham now dealing over anything. It's almost like, uh, well, it's the same Spurs and Arsenal. <laughs> it's just like, it's just, <laughs> yeah. I think sometimes maybe, maybe in foreign, uh, foreign media, maybe in, in uh, countries like Italy, players maybe do move between clubs in the same city slightly more frequently. Um, so maybe for them, I don't know, they saw that as more plausible. And it's like, no, no, definitely not. Yeah, it would be mega money if Tottenham oh, wanted Lukaku. I think, was it about well, 97 million, million he yeah, joined for? Million. Yeah, so, Spurs would have to pay that then and more. Yeah. And, it's like, and Chelsea, you know, Spurs like to work their deals very like backloaded. So you're like, you're like, here's a pound now and we'll give you the rest over the next 75 years. But Chelsea aren't going to do anything like that. Chelsea don't need to accept that kind of deal from anyone. Pretty much whenever Chelsea do transfer business, to be fair to them, you know, we always talk about the amount they spend, but they get a fair old whack for their players. And a lot of that goes back into their transfer budget. Whereas maybe that's Tottenham's biggest failing is that, um, you know, ironically, when they did used to sell players, they'd sell them for big money and they'd get criticised probably for that and being a selling club. Whereas nowadays, they'd probably do the opposite and hold on to them for too long and then get nothing for them. It's uh, it's funny the way football works. So tomorrow at Stamford Bridge, all eyes are going to be on Romelu Lukaku to see whether he starts and then if he does, how he plays. So it is going to be a big, big game in SW6 as Tottenham look to get... You know, a decent result heading into the following week's second leg at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. We'll leave it there for today's latest episode of Golden Guest Tot Tottenham. I'm sure we'll be back later in the week to reflect on the game at Stamford Bridge and then also look ahead to that FA Cup third round tie against Markham. So as ever, thank you for listening and just keep with us at Football.London for all your latest Tottenham news. <laughs>